morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. And we're dedicated to being in right relationship with one another, with ourselves, and with the planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And as we greet one another in the comments, if you have comments, think of it as the divine within you greeting the divine within others. I invite you to join me as we say our chalice lighting words together. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Cornel West is a black American philosopher, orator, political activist, and social critic. His work focuses on the role of race, gender, and class in American society and the means by which people act and react to their radical conditionedness. He wrote, Never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. Hey! 
wrote a mission statement for itself, which guides us as we make decisions and move into the future. We wrote it on the wall, and we say it together every Sunday. Will you say it with me? Together we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. After our uh, speaking of our mission... We have a moment for beloved community where we uh, learn something about our culture which helps us see it the way it is. Uh, We have to see it the way it is in order to heal it from the way it is in order to build beloved community. So here we go. You know Serena Williams, the tennis player. She was having her first child in the hospital and there were some difficulties with the birth. Right after the birth, she experienced shortness of breath. So she came out of her hospital room and told the nurse that she was having the same symptoms that she had before with a blood clot in her lungs and that she needed heparin and a scan. And the nurse said, oh, honey, your pain medicine has just confused you. And she delayed getting the scan, which... Serena Williams needed because she had several blood clots in her lungs. And then there was a hemorrhage in the C-section site. She had to be in bed for six weeks after that birth experience in the hospital. And it's not unusual, unfortunately, for black moms who've just given birth to not be believed as they report on their pain or as they report on symptoms they're noticing in their own bodies. We don't know why this is except white supremacy culture where white women are believed. Even women are not believed as much as men are believed. That's another talk. But the Harvard Review said that black women are four to five times more likely to die around, during, after childbirth than white women. My goodness, something's going on and we need to figure out what it is. If it's white supremacy culture, which I suspect it is, how do we fix that? How do we fix people not believing black women as they tell about their own bodies, as they speak about their own pain? What is it that has conditioned us, and I'm saying us in a larger sense, not to believe these women? From Benjamin Franklin. Justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Will you join with me now in an attitude of prayer and meditation as we go down to dip our toes into the river of love and compassion that runs through the universe? One of the ways we can do this is by becoming quiet in our minds quiet in our bodies, seeking clarity, compassion, and love 
as we sink down into what Ralph Waldo Emerson called the wise silence. Breathe with me. As we continue in an attitude of meditation, you are welcome to light candles of joy or sorrow, hope or remembrance, or candles of dedication. I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord. 
Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down to the river to pray. And everybody in between, brothers and sisters, we're talking about the second UU principle today. And I always feel like I need to do my praying such as it is when I come to this principle because it's so confusing to think how to live it. And this principle says we covenant to affirm and promote justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. Okay. We affirm and promote justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. These things are so intertwined and yet so opposite sometimes. I feel like we need to get in touch with our inner wisdom, with the wisdom of the ancestors, with our deep voice of the divine within us as we struggle to fight for justice, and then to have that justice applied with equity, which it certainly is not these days and hasn't ever been really and to know when to exercise compassion I think I want to know whether compassion is the same thing as mercy when you're talking about justice and equity Or is it the same thing as forgiveness? Or can you have compassion without forgiveness and just say, hey, you did this wrong thing and you need to be brought to justice for it. And I can't forgive you because you didn't do it to me, but I sure do have compassion for you and I understand why you did it. It's very confusing to me, especially as a therapist, because one of the professional drawbacks of being a therapist, which I was for many years, is that you kind of have an understanding of how almost anybody could do almost anything. And so your sense of justice is tamped down a little bit because you're so understanding. Does that make sense? I mean, I would make a terrible police officer because I would just think, well, I can kind of see how they would have done this thing and they needed money and they had a terrible life and That's not what you need when it comes to justice, but it is what you need when it comes to equity and compassion. See how I'm already confused and I'm having a fight with myself. Do you have compassion for the person who's hurt and also for the one who hurt them? And how is there justice in that? Some people say that our principles, our seven and maybe in the future eight principles, are written so vaguely as to be bland and almost meaningless. But I disagree. I think their sharpness is brought into relief when you add these words to the end of each principle, beginning in our homes and congregations. So we advance justice, equity, and compassion in human relations beginning in our homes and congregations. So... I just spent three days with my grandchildren 
and they are the most amazing, wonderful children in the world. And yet you can see how justice and compassion and fairness, which is one word for equity, um, would fight with one another like the children do. And how do you, from moment to moment, navigate between justice, equity, and compassion? If you have more than two children or ever have had in your house, you understand you understand that they're struggling and this might be why they behave badly. You understand why they might have been rude and yet um, you have to check that behavior otherwise you're not helping them develop into grown-ups who can be good for the society and the planet. And that's your job is to make people who can be good companions for other people and who can be useful in the world and who can love and be loved. And sometimes you just have to have Justice, even though you have compassion for why they did something, and there has to be equity. One kid can't get the blame for everything. Know what I mean? When I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, parents, let's go down, let's go down, won't you come on down? Oh, parents, let's go down, down to the river to pray. It works that way in families and congregations, too, you think. Oh, that bad behavior. I know why they're doing that. And that's just them. And the reason they spoke in that bad way to someone else in the congregation is just that they're struggling at home. You know, does it matter? How much does it matter? They're making the congregation feel unsafe for other people because they're struggling. How much justice needs to happen there? How much compassion needs to happen there? And then you move from your congregation and your family into the larger world and you think, well, this is the 20th anniversary of the attack on 9-11 and you want justice for an attack like that. And we went in and we killed Osama bin Laden and did that get justice for that attack? Was that justice kind of? Was that 20-year war justice for that attack? So many people were killed. So many Violent people were killed, and so many wedding guests were killed by drones that went astray or had bad intel. Is that justice? How do you have compassion and justice, or does that all just go up in smoke when you're in a war? And we've been in a war on terror for so many years, at least 20, and it's decimated so much of our culture's justice and it's decimated so much of the world America's war on terror has it brought justice? no I don't think that it has and we as Unitarian Universalists are called to stand in the gap when something like 9-11 happens and we are called to say wait do not hate Muslim people in an ignorant response to what happened with several fundamentalist zealots and what they did, we are called to educate our families and those around us saying there are not terrorists behind every rock and tree. Muslims are not terrorists. 
you can't call the religious Muslim dangerous because it's a religion of peace. And there are so many fundamentalist zealots in every single faith group, in Hindus, in Buddhists, yes, even in Buddhists, and in Christianity, or as I like to call it, churchianity, because nobody has really practiced Christianity that much in our country for many years. Maybe we brought justice by changing Afghan culture, by educating a whole generation of women or making space for them to be educated. There is no way to take that education away from those women. And that kind of thing, educating the women, is going to change a culture. And that is going to bring justice forward. I hope, I sincerely hope. And if I had lost a son or daughter in that war, that is what I would hang on to with dear life. So we Unitarian Universalists are called to think about these things and are called to say, even though so many of us thought so little of George W. Bush, he did, after 9-11, stand with the Muslims and say, do not hate the local Muslims in your community. Do not be violent toward the Muslims that you know or that you meet on the street. They are not the problem. The religious fundamentalists are the problem, and there are fundamentalists in our country. Uh, There are fundamentalists who are homegrown white Americans who are indoctrinated with fundamentalist Christianity with fervor about white nationalism and racism that goes along with it. And those are the people who are being dangerous terrorists right now. Homegrown religious zealots and fundamentalists and my friends, they are having a tremendous impact on the laws of our country and they are hurting women and they are hurting people of color because some of the minority of them feel that our nation has been stolen from us by people who don't look like us. Well, tough. Grow up. This is a multi-racial nation. And you live in it. And let's celebrate it, shall we? Because it's a lot better than a nation just made up of y'all. So we're here to remind people of what our truth is and how we see things And we're called to say it with love, but love is not always sweet. I just want to tell you that. And we talked last time when we talked about the first principle about how believing in the dignity and worth of everyone does not mean believing in the dignity and worth of every idea. And sometimes you have to respect people enough to bring them up short with disagreement about their views which are destructive and wrong and mistaken we have to respect their worth and their dignity while we disagree with them and we are called to say it with compassion but compassion also doesn't necessarily mean just sweetness it means I respect you enough to tell you my view of how your behavior is incorrect and bad for our whole society. And I respect you enough 
to see and believe that you can do better. And even while it's much more fun to confront other people about their hurtfulness, we also have to have enough uh, thirst for justice and compassion to confront the hurtfulness in ourselves as well and say, I am worth this and I have dignity and I can do better than I'm doing right now. I hope. I really think that there is a deep well of compassion that we can draw upon. And I think it's the same water that's in that river of love that I've talked to you about that I believe runs through the whole universe. This river of love is what we swim in, what we allow to run through us, that we feel ourselves to be loved and we feel ourselves strengthened in order to love. And we need to go down to that river every day to pray in our own way, whether it's painting or creating music or hiking. And we go down to that river in order to feel the call of justice and in order to have clarity about what equity means. Because if you are a white person in America, and I would venture to say that even if you're a person of color in America, you have been raised and trained for your mind to be cloudy on this point of what equity might look like. Sometimes we can't even envision it. And we have to envision it in order to bring it into being. So, to our thirst for justice, we might quote Mahatma Gandhi, if we choose an eye for an eye, we will all soon be blind. And to our rush of compassion, we might quote Malcolm X, we must sometimes kill the one who is evil in order to save the many who are innocent. How do we navigate that? We practice a spiritual path in order to grow in wisdom and understanding. We go down to the river to pray, whatever praying for us is. This is how we navigate through the confusing principle that is our second principle of justice, equity, and compassion. When I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show us the way. Let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, people, let's go down, down to the river to pray. Let there now be an offering taken to sustain and to strengthen this place and its mission. This is an important mission, a life-saving mission. And we hang together even though we are apart right now. We hang together so that this congregation will be here and be strong on the other side. And if you have made a pledge, we are deeply, deeply grateful to you. And if you could pay on that pledge if you have forgotten, that would be quite wonderful. I invite you to join me as we extinguish our chalice. 
We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. The words of Holly Near. Sing with me if you care to. I am open and I am willing for to be hopeless would seem so strange. It dishonors those who go before us. So lift us up to the light of change. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.